Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. I'm here with Liam and Shelby for our bi-weekly porpoisodes. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. How are you doing? Okay, how are you doing? We're living the dream, right? <laughs> um, no, good. Um, busy, but good. Yeah, August has just flown by, I feel like. It really has. It's been a yeah. great month for sure um but yeah so we're gonna go ahead and get started so this week our like kind of icebreaker question of the week is if you were a pinniped meaning seals sea lions anybody in that family what kind of pinniped would you be do you want to go first shelby sure um i'm gonna go a little bit basic and say i would be a harbor seal love it because i feel like it would just be like super fun to like um like people watch almost all day, like the tourists and stuff and kind of like mess with them a little bit and cause a little bit of mischief. So I think that would be fun. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Probably, They're classic. They're cute. We love them. Yeah. I'd probably be like an Arctic uh, first seal just just because occasionally you can see like scientists sort of studying everything. That would They're be super cool. adorable. Yes. I feel like I have to go with leopard seal. I've been asked this question before and that's like my go-to of just like, just a leopard seal. Cause they're just like out there just trying to take over shit and also being curious. And that's kind of the vibe that I think I have. <laughs> yeah. A little badass. Yeah. So I try. Um, but yeah, so now you guys know what kind of vegetable and what kind of pinniped you would be. This is all, these are all the questions you guys were dying to know. Um, Start writing our biographies now. Yes. Um, but yeah, so if you guys have been following along with us on these episodes, we are this season uh, doing a book review or we're reading a book together so we are reading endangered orca the story of the southern residents by monica wheel and shields and we read two chapters um every two weeks we read the first two chapters last week and then we just read um chapters three and four this week which was a world of sound as well as personality emotions and culture what are everybody's initial thoughts this i think goes into um good detail about um about themselves on a personal level, um, how they work and how they work, work physically and, and mentally. I, the, I find that uh, the part of the one about the sound kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it was, again, kind of similar to the start of the book, continuing with a great mix of educational information and also tying it into stories so that you feel a little bit more connected to the whales and uh, personal stories of the author. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think the same thing because like a lot of, a lot of times like nonfiction books can be pretty dry, like as interesting as orcas are, because they are super interesting. The storytelling definitely like helps with that portion of it. I like, I, I love rereading books because like you don't retain every single bit of information every time and when I was reading the sound one the one that um like that popped out to me was basically she was talking about how um there are only three species like of mammals that we know of that have distinct 
calls with overlapping geographic areas. So it's us, cetaceans, and bats. Um, and I'm sure that there are more out there that we just don't know because people haven't studied it. But like, I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and I think there's so much that we can learn from their sound. Like I, I believe it was, there was some prairie dog study one of my captains always talks about it, um, but they basically were able to like break down the communication of prairie dogs and like basically able to kind of like understand their language for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's super interesting. And um, I think just kind of brings like a whole deeper connection to other species. Like when we realize how important language is to us in our culture, and yeah, realizing that other animals in the animal kingdom share that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think kind of too, cause like she goes into the culture a bit as well. Um, and like, this brings up the whole topic of anthropomorphizing animals and mm -hmm. how that has been like seen as such a big no-no, but I also feel like it, which, you know, I don't know, basically it just means that we're, you don't want to give animals human-like characteristics and like people ask the question like what makes somebody human and um like versus something else and I think it's kind of ignorant sometimes to like immediately close that door off so it's interesting to see the scientific shift of now people are like recognizing culture um but I do still think like when I was reading this a little bit there were some things that I was like we are still teetering on the line of like anthropomorphization when she was talking about the call that like the universal call amongst all of the whales that they have. And she was like, whoever said that, I think it was like S10 or whatever the call was. I, that's probably the wrong name of the call, but she was like, that associated that with laughter, like they were in fact right. And I'm like, well, we don't know for sure that it's laughter, but like, I get the gist of what she's saying. Yeah, I totally agree. It was interesting though, her, um, her uh, the author talking about how they have or they are tending to conclude that a lot of the vocalizations, instead of having like a direct meeting, meaning are just more so linked to overall emotion. And I think that's really neat as well, especially like um, relating it back to how other pods who might not have a huge overlap of dialect are still able to communicate so well because at least they think it's just more so rooted in emotion versus actual like a direct uh, meaning I guess if that makes sense yeah definitely I like yeah like I think so it, it's interesting like we can't say for sure that it's like laughter or crying without like more information but like mm -hmm. it definitely gives us like more clues as to what the social structure and like what the culture of these animals look like yeah and their emotions are so complex like I say this all all the time but it's almost hard to even comprehend that are we even able to make conclusions on this because their brains are so more highly developed than ours even are like do we have the capacity to even make those conclusions at all I have definitely thought the same thing it's really hard to study like social sciences and I like remember in college a lot of people thinking like having sort of this ego around hard sciences of like I study biology or chemistry and like so I like, and that's so difficult. And I feel like studying like the social sciences or behavior is way harder because you have to like get everybody on the same page with like, what does this behavior mean? And like, 
everybody can interpret things so differently just based on the lenses that they have in life from like their past experiences, their culture, like their gender, et cetera. So like, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely hard too. And also like the other thing, like, so um, she had the section in there about fun and she was talking about how there were whales that were balancing salmon on the top of their head. And they were like, this is just for fun. And when I read that, I was like, well, what, what if like, what if they need to like, I don't know, try to weigh the salmon or something? Like, what if there's some other reason as to why they're doing this? Or like, you know, they want to expose it to the air for some reason that we like don't understand. Like, I, I think that's where like we see that that teetering on the line of like being like, oh, this is for sure this way because this is how humans perceive things. Um, like, so we don't want to discount that they can have culture or fun or play. And I definitely think that animals do like, you know, if anybody has a dog, you've definitely seen dogs play before, you know? So yeah. it's just, I don't think we'll ever really know, like, but I'm curious to see where science takes us in the next, like, several decades. Yeah, I totally agree. what do you think, Liam? Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, sort of that, that culture, uh, particularly what you were talking about, uh, whether or not, you know, how are we perceiving these things uh, a certain way because we are or, or we we associate certain behaviors with you know with certain others because we're perceiving them that way or is there like a different reason because there was some uh i think it yeah what was it the uh i think it was the porpoise uh, the behavior with uh porpoises where they weren't they said it was uh play but it, well there's a debate going on i think about whether or not um uh the southern residents whenever they're uh, uh messing with uh with pen and pads whether it's just playful or if this is or, or they possibly like like i think i read somewhere that they uh that they there's a theory that they're practicing uh like practice hunting, hunting yeah 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 that's the thing is like is it that or is it play or is it both you know because I feel like there's a lot of times that like maybe we do something that is like to help us learn to grow but that also is fun you know um and like unless we are a whale I don't think we'll ever know you know yeah and I feel that um let's see what was it I was about to say I had something on the tip of my tongue uh I guess it's just uh, whether or not, you know, um, do we, in the scientific community, do we perceive anthropomorphizing as a, as a bad thing, or is that even what uh, we're doing at all, or is it, or should we be perceiving these, uh, or studying these behaviors in a different way? Uh, so yeah. I think these are all very good questions to bring up, and I think that with anthropomorphizing things, we have to, like, always be on that line like I, I feel like it's if you see a behavior and then you just like immediately jump to a conclusion after seeing it once like the balancing of the salmon on the head and just be like this is play or this is this without like considering all the other elements um like and she also brought up to Lakewood coming out and checking out the boat once and she was like it was without a doubt like this was like she was checking out the boat and like it's like okay but like maybe like and I don't know what kind of data she had 
too but like i mean there could have been a variety of reasons why to like what approach the boat you know like there are theories that humpback whales approach boats that are a similar size to them because that potentially they think it's a humpback whale and like or maybe there are people on the boat that they do want to look at like we just don't know um but i think the the thing is that you have to have a lot of concrete evidence from a lot of sources in order to say that something like that is true and it's it's definitely difficult to get that information because there are so many opportunities to collect data like that and then you know like even when she was saying that like when they were talking about the universal call they were like oh my gosh this is like you know laughter crying and she's like we had like nine people like who blindly listened to this and all agreed that it was the same call and like she's like so undoubtedly it was but like realistically nine is a very small sample size in a study so i think it's like like, I don't think that we should discount it right away. I definitely think that I kind of sometimes fall more on the line of like wanting to be like, like wanting to question it more in without having like a lot of concrete data, but also knowing that that data is hard to get to. So there's that, but yeah, I think, but it's also like, it's important. I like, I see why people don't want to anthropomorphize because like we could be interpreting the whale's behavior as one thing when it's really something else. And then like, you know, all of the decisions that are made in conservation or like, you know, by policymakers, you know, in theory should be founded in science. And so if we're interpreting something in the wrong way, that could potentially have adverse effects. Yeah, it's also hard because, you know, we're only observing a small glimpse of their life. Like number one, we're only um, observing like small moments of their life. And also we're only observing above the water, which the, most of their life is below the water. So we're only capturing really a small little glimpse of what's what could be truly go, going on. And it kind of makes me think back to, there was a quote um, in the book, I think she was talking about an incident where a whale, what she, she perceived the whale to be vocalizing to her. And, um, Osborne, the researcher, said to her, hang on to observations like that. They could be like Rosetta Stones. So I think that, you know, because we're only really capturing these small bits of um, observations, like I think in time more and more we'll be able to piece things together and maybe have a better idea. But yeah, really in the big picture of things, we don't have a lot of information when it comes down to it. We definitely don't. And that's the other thing too, is like, like, and I think this is like another reason why maybe citizen science could be like important or utilized is if we had like a platform where people could be like, okay, here's an ethogram, which is basically like a sheet that we use a, that we've decided what behavior is classified as what and what that looks like in a whale or what sounds look like, you know, if we're going to classify the sounds and then we, you know, have people report the things that they saw and like, you know, not, you can't just like report like, oh, the whale vocalized, you know, at me sort of thing one time and be like, this is my thoughts on it. But like having repeated data of like people being like, okay, like what was the Beaufort state? What was the weather? Like, where was I? What were my GPS points? Mm -hmm. How many boats were around? Where was I located? Like all of these different factors like is important because you can't know for sure if it was you because maybe that whale came out and was like vocalizing maybe in your direction, but because of like, another animal passing them or a boat passing them mm -hmm. or like you know we just don't know because that's like that's not science to 
like uh, sorry that sounds like kind of rude but it's like it's not science to like just have a whale yell at you and then you're like that whale's yelling at me yeah. like that's exactly yeah. and and that's like one of the main faults of environmental observational studies is that you know it's not a controlled lab setting yeah um, there's so many factors out of our control and we just kind of have to do with it what we can yeah and I think that's the thing is like we have to take things with a grain of salt when it comes to like behavioral observations like when scientists go out and they get like data from scat that's a totally different thing that is like we can Mm -hmm. concretely say like this is what is in the whale you know um but these other ones like it definitely is hard and like you know, whenever I have passengers on my boat and they're asking me whale questions and things like that, I always like tell them, I'm like, the more that we learn about whales, the more we learn that we don't know anything at all. <laughs> we don't know anything at all, you know? Um, and I think that's like one of the things that we kind of have to be okay with in a sense, like, obviously we want to constantly strive, but like, there is just kind of that reality of like, we may never really know. And like, like, we definitely need to like trust science, but like, we need to take certain things like with a grain of salt as well. Exactly. And remembering to go back and maybe re-question other statements that have been made once we have more information and just continuing to critically evaluate the data that we have. 100%. I think like it's appropriate to constantly be questioning information and data. And like, you know, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed with both COVID and issues with the Southern residents is that there is a huge distrust in science from the public And I think that it truly is a lack of like understanding how it works and why it's important. And ultimately, like, I don't put people at fault for that. Like, you know, I put maybe the school systems at fault, but um, we need to like definitely have better science education um, because there's such a lack of, of trust there. And like, but yeah, you definitely always need to be questioning it and always need to be striving for like, what's the best, like, that's the whole point of science is like, to be questioning things and like the more people that like replicate a study like the stronger that makes that information so that's something that's really important too yeah and it's okay to be wrong um and that's still like developing our knowledge and overall information yeah I think so I mean, we make a lot of discoveries by being wrong and like, that's just Mm -hmm. part of the process. Yeah, I think you bring up a very important point. Like it's important to change our understanding of the world and our, the way that we move through the world based on new data that has come up. And, you know, it definitely is like sometimes hard to, like there are some, like, I don't know, reading a scientific paper is, is definitely hard for most people. Like, and if you don't like speak whale, <laughs> like not necessarily like their acoustics, but like if you don't have like all that whale language, it can definitely be harder to interpret that. So like, I get it, but um, it's definitely worth it to try. Like ask questions. Most of the time, like you can email the author on whatever paper and be like, I, what is happening here? And a lot of times they will get back to you because most like of the time people don't care that much about science. And I feel like most authors are like, would love to answer your questions and talk about their research. Exactly. They're researching it because they're passionate about it and they want to talk about it. Yes. Um, But yeah, so I think like, I think this is, this is like, I feel like a good book for just like people who are like brand new to Wales, Southern residents. I think these like two, these last two chapters like did a good job. I think even since she published this book, 
there's now more data on like what culture looks like. And so I'm sure we're going to learn like even more in the next 10 years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she does like any updated versions, like republishes it with yeah. uh, updated information, I believe. Is it the Orca book or there's one there's one really famous book on killer whales where he's had like multiple editions that he Air just Coins? updates. Yes, this Orca, one? yeah. Yes, yeah. Orca the whale called killer. Yeah, he has multiple updates on this book. Um, let's see, when was this one? I have this one I bought not that long ago. So this is the, this is the fifth edition in 2019. Which is amazing. Yes. Um, which maybe we should do this book next because, um, this is another really good staple. And I do believe that Eric does include some stories in here as well. Um, I think that's, yeah, he, cause I remember he started out as a photographer and became a scientist. Amazing. Yes. Um, but overall, yeah, I feel like it's a good start. I feel like take everything with a grain of salt. We don't really know as much as we think we do um, as scientists in general. Anybody have any last thoughts? Yeah, I guess just like similar to what you said, like even just reading it for the second time, I'm definitely picking up on some facts that I had kind of forgotten about. Like, uh, I had totally forgotten that orcas um, receive sound through their lower jaw, which then transmits yeah. to their ear. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that. Me so too. definitely enjoying rereading it. Definitely. All righty, guys. Well, join us again in two weeks to move on to the next two chapters. We'll be reading chapter five, The Salish Sea, where orcas and humans come together and chapter six, the capture era. So I feel like it's about to get juicy um, because this book is a little bit juicy. If I do recall, Um, we were just at the basics. What is a whale um, portion (laughs) of it? And now we're getting into the um, like chunkier stuff. Is that even the right (laughs) word to describe that? Um, The spicier stuff. Spicier stuff. We're getting into the spicy stuff. Um, And also, um, there will not be an episode um, out this Friday because I will be in Mexico, um, but there will be another episode out the following Friday. So stay tuned and have a great week, everyone. Live your best life. Take science with a grain of salt. Bye. Bye.